time chasing toddlers down, but we still know how to rock the hizzle. I don't even know what you just said. We used to be cool. Back in the day, back on the block. Watching PG-13 movies, staying up way after dark. Then we had a couple shorties, and now we're really flossy. Cause now we be rolling with our own little posse. In the minivan, or in our little wagon. Let me throw it to moms, cause the little one is sagging. I used to bling it up, I used to dress real shoot. Now I accessorize the food that's already been chewed. And that's alright. I make this diaper bag look good. When I'm walking through the mall, trying to wrangle my brood. My PB&Js will set your world on fire. I could make you mac and cheese blindfolded on a wire. I'm wiping the doo-doo, kissing the boobas. Got them eyes in the back of my head. I see all you do. Using your full name so you know I ain't playing. And that's why all my kiddos, they keep saying. Mom, mom, she's the bomb. Rocking all night till the break of dawn. Cooking in peace so I'll grow up strong. Got my second seatbelt if we crash head on. Dad, dad, he's the man. Working real hard to support the clan Trading in his Porsche for an old sedan Raising those brows if we get out of hand When it comes to Candyland, I'm a stone-cold player Helping out with the homework, I'm an algebra slayer Wrestle car seats into place without spilling my mug If I tuck you in at night, you'll be as snug as a bug Then I'm off in the morning to make that cheese You may not know this yet, but it doesn't grow on trees Now mama, take it please What? Uh, take it Dropping time up like the hot potty training on my tots Washing all the pants and pots, tying little shoes and knots Giving knowledge to your brain like if your friendship up a train You don't have to do the same, not get your toys out of the rain I'm cleaning every spill, cutting coupons like a bill If you need parental skill, now you know we are for real You don't think our rhymes are ill, boy? Then you're grounded for a mill Mom, mom, she's legit Making us chill when we pitch fit Telling us to share and never to hit If you can't say something nice, put a sock in it Dad, dad, he's the guy Never gets tired of playing I spy With a constant barrage of kids asking why And he always pretends he needs another tie You know money doesn't grow on trees Why buy the cow if the milk is free? This won't hurt you as much as it hurts me If you want dessert, eat another veggie Close that door, you weren't born in a stable Sit up straight and kiss your Aunt Mabel Close your mouth when you chew Get your elbows off the table Mom and Dad of the Year Check it, that's the label It's a parent rap, y'all And it's a parent We're great parents Mom and Daddy in the house Mom and Daddy own the house Mom and Daddy need to clean the house Keep your hands to yourself, boy Don't make me stop this beat I'll do it I'll pull this beat right over and under. You may be dismissed to Children's Church. If you're visiting with us, you've got kids that age, you're welcome to go and see where they're going if you want to or just send them. Either way. A <laughs> couple things before we, we get down to the serious business of Exodus chapter 1. Um, there is, get down, there is a business meeting um, this month. It's middle of the month. It's the 22nd. It's the 22nd on a Wednesday. So um, our financials are back there. So whether you're visiting or um, you're not a member but you're a regular attender, you're welcome to them. They're back there. Um, and just fair warning, 22nd is when we have our next business meeting. Every spring we do it. And so it's time. It is time. And also, um, sometimes when I print the calendar, um, tech stuff gets squished. 
and this time the men's Edapalooza got squished out. The new calendar has it on there, but you don't want to miss it. It's like the 25th. Um, last time, my husband brought our 12-year-olds, who was then 11, and he was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me, ever, ever. You can go to every concession stand and just take whatever, like, get whatever you want. Yes. It's a kid's dream, so I encourage you, men, bring your kids. Like, he had a great time. Anyway, so a lot going on. Um, yeah, a lot going on. So make sure you get a calendar or look on the digital calendar online. Okay, one more fun thing before Exodus chapter 1. Um, I saw this this week. Um, it was his and her diary entry. Her diary entry and his diary entry from the same day, which I thought was kind of interesting. It'd be kind of fun for Mother's Day. Okay, this is her diary entry for this day. Tonight, I thought my husband was acting weird. We'd made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. I was shopping with friends all day, and so I thought he was maybe upset at the fact that I was a little bit late, but he made no comment on it. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested that we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. He agreed, but he didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong, and he said nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset, and he said it was, he wasn't upset, that it had nothing to do with me, and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him, I love you. He smiled slightly and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say I love you too. When we got home, I felt as if I had lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed. But I still felt that he was distracted and his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep. I cried. I don't know what to do. I'm almost sure that his thoughts are with someone else. My life is a disaster. His diary entry is one line. It says... Motorcycle won't start. Can't figure out why. <laughs> Just a little fun for you today. Okay, there we go. Exodus chapter one. <laughs> Again, happy Mom's Day. Um, and there's all kinds of moms. There's spiritual moms and there's biological moms and we honor moms in the house. And I know for Mom's Day, it's a celebration day, but it can also be sad. There's a lot of stuff that goes into family and a lot of right? Family's messy and life is messy and people don't stay forever. You know, um, it's appointed to man once to die. And so these days can also be fraught with a lot of difficult emotions. So happy mom's day to everybody. It's a good day to reflect on what God made in family and the fact that he can place people in family. Even if what you got, maybe you need something that you didn't get, how many of you know he is a good father and he places people in family? So I just, on mom's day, let's reflect on his goodness and his completeness to really provide all that we need in this life. Amen? Amen. He's so good. Um, okay, as we go to Exodus chapter 1, which is where we're going, we're going to talk about Moses' mom today a bit. Um, just really funny, um, off of that story, when Mitch and I first got married, 
I don't consider myself super emotional. You know, like I don't cry a lot. I actually, he and I both wake up in the same mood every day. Like we're pretty even keeled. I don't think of either of us is very emotional. But when we first got married, I realized like compared to him, I'm a train wreck. Um, <laughs> just the differences. Um, so, like. I don't know. I wake up in the morning and I, I pick my clothes based on how I feel. Like, how many of you know what I'm talking about? How do I feel today? I feel blue. I feel like purple today, right? I mean, I, I feel like cotton and not rayon today. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. No, I no. <laughs> See, you know, and then like, we need onions. Am I going to stop at Myers? No, I don't like how I'm going to feel when I leave Myers. How many of you know I'm talking about? Like the, st- the stops you actually make, you're like, do I have it in me? Not strength-wise, because your legs can take you there, clearly, right? Just like, oh, that overhead lighting that's so, ugh. I'm not going to like how I'm going to feel when I leave there, so I'm not doing that today. How many of you know I'm talking about? Like, this was so confusing to him. When we first got married, he was like, so we needed onions, but you didn't get onions because you didn't like how you'd feel when you left Myers. <laughs> And I said, yeah, like, you know, how you, you feel stuff about stuff. He's like, like, how often? <laughs> it's like about everything. And he just looked at me like I was like from a different planet. And I said, how often are you aware that you feel something? And he was like, <sighs> like once or twice a week, maybe? <laughs> For real. For real. And I was like, I feel something all the time. I feel something about the meeting I just had. I feel something about what I'm going, I, I, how many I'm talking about? <laughs> Listen, there's a reason why God made a woman for, for Adam and not a man. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of reasons. But you need iron to sharpen iron. Like, y- you know what I'm saying? You need someone that can bring what you don't have to the game. Yeah. Both ways. Yeah. And I'm not, like, trying to stereotype, like, all men are one way and all men are one way. But I'm just saying there are some general things that are true just based on biology. Right. Right. I mean, if the two hemispheres of women's brains are connected by lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff, and men only have through two connections, <laughs> it's going to affect... It's, biologically going to affect how you process things. It's why he only gets to feel something once a week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Exodus chapter one. Let's get there. All right. So for those of you new to the faith or maybe you're here and you you're not sure what you think about Jesus yet or Christianity or all of that. Um, there is a very famous story in the Bible, the story of Moses. And you've probably heard of him just because he's kind of famous across Jewish faith and even um, Islam. He's a famous, famous guy. So um, the people of Israel ended up being slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Um, what happened was there was a famine in Egypt, which was the world-dominating power at that time. And God had raised up a Hebrew a Jewish guy named Joseph who actually heard from the Lord to actually prophetically guide the Pharaoh through this time of famine. 
and he ended up saving um, Egypt, basically, because prophetically he knew ahead of time what they needed to do. And so he became the second most powerful man in Egypt. And in honor of that, um, the Pharaoh said, hey, your whole family can come and live here in Egypt, in the choicest part of Egypt, um, in Goshen, um, to make sure that they are taken care of during the famine. And so Moses' whole family comes to live in Egypt. And when we pick up on the story, they've been there for over 400 years now, and they've been blessed, and they've increased. And that doesn't always make everyone happy. Right? Sometimes your blessing attracts opposition. Right? So here's what happens. Exodus 1, verse 6. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died during that entire generation, but their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly, they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. It's a dangerous thing to forget history. Yeah? He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing, even if we don't, even if we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. All right, so let's just deal with that very quickly. Sometimes um, all you have to do to attract opposition is be blessed. <laughs> right? They, the Israelites hadn't shown that they were going to turn on the Egyptians, right? This guy's imagining what's, what could they happen and how could they, right, mess us over. And so they haven't done anything to um, attract this kind of opposition, to become enslaved and have this crushing labor put upon them. They haven't done anything for that. What happened for that to come on them? They're blessed. They were greatly multiplying, right? They were increasing in power, and that blessing attracted this opposition. That's really important to think about because we pray a lot of things, and I wonder if we count the cost before we pray them. Right? And so God can even be answering our prayers, and then we start getting angry at God because the natural consequence sometimes of God answering your prayers is that it attracts opposition. And so people end up taking three steps ahead with God and saying, oh, this is too hard or getting mad at God because things didn't go perfectly. And then they draw back from what they're destined to do, what God has planned for them, what God's called them to. So think about the thing in your heart that God's placed there. And it might have a picture with it that looks very different than what's going to look in the end. Because oftentimes God will stir something up in us and we just apply to it the picture of what we've seen that look like, right? But it may not look like that in the end. But there's a dream there. There's some substance behind why you had that picture in your mind, that dream, right? So think about that thing that's in your heart that stirs you up for the things of God, things that you really want to see God accomplish through your life to bring glory to his name. Um, count the cost, Make a decision now because I'm telling you, blessing will bring opposition. Think about your favorite, think about your favorite preacher. 
Not me. <laughs> somebody on the internet or that you really like, or somebody on TV that you really like, I guarantee you, how many like, like T.D. Jakes? He's a fun one. Love T.D. I like Tim Keller. I like Bill Johnson. I guarantee you, go to any of those guys who are just like knocking it out, slaying it for the kingdom. Google search them. And you're going to find like 50 websites that are like hate-filled, like spewing all kinds of stuff, taking all kinds of things out of context, right? If God's going to give you influence in this life and he's going to bless and give you favor, it's going to attract some opposition and you're going to have to have settled those things in your heart beforehand or you're going to shrink back, Right? If God, if God gave you um, just favor in terms of seeing the sick healed and everyone you prayed for got healed, think about what would happen in your life. Think about how your life would change. In a lot of ways, it wouldn't be your own anymore. Right? Jesus could hardly get away. And they weren't necessarily wanting to accept what he was teaching. They just wanted stuff from him. Make us more bread. <laughs> Even Moses could give us bread. You better do something bigger for us to believe in you. I mean, people were, I'm just saying. When you count the cost ahead of time and decide, why do I want, why am I asking God for this thing? This dream I have, why do I want to see it fulfilled? I believe it's from God. When you and your heart are like, I just want to see Jesus glorified, and I am willing to sow my life into that, when you can settle that in your heart beforehand, then when opposition comes, you're like set like a flint, man. You know? I've already counted the cost. So the Israelites come into Egypt, they get blessed, and this blessing brings this opposition. They become enslaved. And it takes them 400 years before they think to call out to God who blessed them. How many generations die in slavery? Mad and bitter, God, where are you? Instead of crying out to him. So what happens is eventually some people remember and they cry out to God and then God says, okay, here we go. And so he sends a deliverer in the form of a little baby, right? His name is Moses. Okay, verse 11. They forced the Israelites to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. So when you see all the great like works of Egypt, just know many of those were built by slaves, Jewish slaves and oppression. That's who built those things, yeah? Um, and so they build these cities. 13, so the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The ladies replied, 
The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They're more vigorous. And they deliver so quickly, we can't get there in time. Oh, even back then, women were shiving other women. (laughs) Our Hebrew women are way more vigorous than your women. (laughs) Come on, man. When Jesus gets a hold of your heart, you don't have to compare yourself to anyone. So much of what you see in culture, people just eating each other alive. The, The mom wars are horrible. Don't go online. The mom wars are horrible, right? When you're a believer, you can do the thing that God's put in front of you to do and without fear, and without worry about what other people think your life should look like. In fact, you should be raising your kids very differently than a lot of other people, you know? And this is what I love so much about being part of the family of God is I don't have to be everything for my kids. Right, because other people are going to bring some of that. I don't have to bring it all. In fact, um, this last birthday for Max, we said to, we, you know, there's like a threshold of money we're going to spend. And we were like, okay, we can do this, this, or this. And one of them was like highly decorated, like theme birthday, which is not something I am able to do. And I said, we know people we could hire. Yeah, I'm thinking Becky and Shauna. I was like, we could pay people. <laughs> for their time, maybe. We couldn't ask, right? I didn't feel like I better get really good at Pinterest. I was like, I got three or four friends I could ask if we can pay them. Because they are good at that. Or you can sit and be like, if I was a better mom, I'd know how to... (laughs) God's place is in family. God's place is in family. There are things that our kids are going to get from us they're not going to get from anybody else in this room. But thank God they have all of you because there's a bunch of things they're not getting from us. <laughs> right? Isn't that so good? Because in the kingdom, you're linking arms with people. You're not standing in comparison with people. Anyway, but I do kind of like these midwives. They're, they're, a little, they're a little saucy. Our women are so vigorous, they... They drop those babies before we can get there. And so the king of Egypt, okay, so the Hebrew women, okay, verse 20. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Just really quickly, let me just say, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you're in a situation and it'll happen in your home, in your workplace, in church, in relationships, in family, it doesn't matter. There are often times you can be like, things are confusing, right? People have, how many of you are at work situations where it's confusing? People have so many opinions and so many whatever. Um, here's a really good thing. What's bringing life and what's not bringing life? (laughs) What's bringing life and what's not bringing life? What is building up relationships? What is tearing down relationships? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so often you'll find 
you're in conversations, you're in situations, you have to make choices, and one's gonna bring life, and one is gonna steal, kill, and destroy for somebody. I'm just saying, that's a really good, now there's some situations where you might need more refined advice about things, but I'm just saying, as a general rule, when people are, things are coming out of their heart and they're speaking to you, like, is it peaceable? Is what they want life to come into this situation? Like, what's the goal of what's coming out of this person's heart? How many of them I'm talking about? People are broken. People have a lot of brokenness in them. And when you hurt, you hurt people, right? When you, I was just talking to a pastor. I was in Missouri last week. I love Michigan. I love the state of Michigan. I was in Missouri last week for meetings. And I was talking to a pastor and it's like, the things he was saying, it was like the same thing over and over and over again. I was like, you gotta stop letting destructive people have influence. You know what I mean? Like you can love destructive people, but until they let Jesus heal them, they're gonna be destructive. So sometimes we feel like we've gotta get on sides, right? That's not what Jesus does. He's for everybody, but he's wise, right? So you can love the destructive person in your family. You can love the destructive person at work. You can love that person, right? You keep your love on, but you're wise. I'm not going to get in league with that. I'm going to love you, but I'm not in league with you. Are you... It's warming up. I get, some of you are like, yes, I got it in my head. I'm visualizing something right now, right? You got it. You got it. So I don't have to be involved in rifts and, because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I can keep my love on to everybody, but I'm not getting in league with everyone's agenda. How you doing? So this guy's not getting his way, and he's like, listen, you're throwing these babies in the river now you see a boy, you throw that thing in the, in the Nile River. Imagine, imagine the view. There's a million Israelites. Imagine how many children they're having. Imagine the Nile River and what it looks like. Daily, you're going to see a human <laughs> baby struggling and dying. And let me just say one more thing on this. Just, I don't want to get like political, but it seems like all through scripture, the enemy, and I mean the devil, he loves to kill children. You just see all through scripture. He wants to extinguish life before it even comes out. Just don't be on his side. Right? Okay. So the thief comes to still kill and destroy. So he's, now he's mad. He wants this destruction. He's not seen destruction. So now he's like, you and you and you, all of you need to get on my team in destruction. I'm holding you all accountable to be throwing these babies in the river. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. So he's special. Um, we don't have an angel of the Lord appear to her and say, hey, there's a plan for him. Right? We don't have anything like that happening. But you can see that he's special. And if you look at there, there's something to do in that language with his countenance too. He's a beautiful baby. 
there was nothing special about him. God gave him some qualities that were going to help him survive. So she thinks to herself, verse 3, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with her tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent to her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Okay, so let's stop right there. So the mother, right, Jacobed, she, she sees he's special. And there's a chance, right, that he could survive. She clearly puts him where she knows that the royal people are bathing, right? I mean, it wasn't by accident. She places him in these reeds, so the basket's not going to move. It's going to stay there. She places him where she knows they come down, and he's cute enough. He's a cute enough baby. His countenance that maybe they'd be like, man, this one's so cute. We cannot let him die. I mean, honestly, that's what's happening. There are ugly babies. <laughs> And let me just tell you, let me just tell you, if the baby had a poor countenance and it wasn't pleasant, its chance of surviving, I'm not, its chance of surviving that decision would not have been as good. Very few people are like, oh, there's a colicky baby. I wish that was mine. Like nobody. <laughs> God gave Moses some qualities from birth that gave him a fighting chance. Right? There was a beauty about him. There was a, he gave him some physical attributes and some ways about him that clearly he had that were gifts from God. He hadn't developed them over time. They were gifts from God that God gave him that helped him survive. Listen, God gives you favor for purpose, not status. There are things that God has placed in you because he wanted to make you who you are for relationship with you and for his purposes. The favor is for purpose, not for status. The beauty he gave you is for purpose, not for status. The brains he gave you were for purpose, not for status, right? The strength he gave you is for purpose, not for status. The acumen he gives you is for purpose, not for status. We don't get our identity from those things. My identity comes from the fact that I am a daughter of God. This is my identity. And he has given me these things for purpose. Not to be used capriciously in my life. Not to be used to measure myself, again, comparison, not to be used to measure myself against other people. He gave me that favor for purpose and not status. He gives Moses beauty for purpose. It helped him survive. He may not have without it. If you just think about the situation, there's lots of babies to rescue. He may not have made it without it. There's a purpose that God had in it, it helped keep him alive. 
Something else I'm going to pull out just from that section. Think about this. What did Pharaoh say you had to do with the babies? You had to put them in the Nile River. Jacobed did not disobey. She put him in the Nile River. But God gave her wisdom and a plan. And so while she was technically obedient in what she did, God gave her a way that in obedience, she circumvented the evil intentions of the one that had authority over her. Come on. You're going to find yourself in situations where people that have authority over you are not righteous and their intentions toward you aren't righteous. Or maybe they're just incompetent. You have to trust that your steps have been ordered of the Lord. Right? You don't live under the anxiety of that. You don't live under the like, how do I, how do I, right? God's going to give you a way right through it. And he's going to keep your heart right all the way through it. If you'll let him. If you'll let him. He'll do it for you. She obeys. Okay, I'll put him in the Nile. While she gets out her tar and she <laughs> makes his basket and places him right where her daughter, where his daughter is going to bathe and... Come on. The very man who wants to kill her baby is going to end up with him adopted into his household. Come on. God has a way of just turning it around. Doesn't he? He's so good. He's so good. And think about this too. We know from Hebrews, because here as we read, we think, did her husband die? Like, where's the, where's the dad in all of this? Because he's not... He doesn't, he's not factoring into these decisions, these actions, and any way that we can see in the text, but we know from Hebrews he's still alive. So, but he's a slave, so who knows? I mean, maybe he's not involved because he literally can't be. His life isn't his own. He's being crushed out in the field, you know? So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the dad necessarily, but what I am saying is she had to do this on her own. There's no sense that anyone's helping Jacobed with this, except her kids, right? Because your kids will always, you can always, you know, until they're 18, you've got some minions, right? I'm just saying, I think that's worth considering, especially on a Mother's Day, when you think about things like family and marriage and relationships. So often we get stuck thinking God's plans can't be accomplished because they won't. I'm being right? Or this is a heavy load. They want Sometimes we put our faith in a lot of other things and people, but we need to do the next thing that God told us to do. There is no dream that God's given you that somebody else is blocking. It might end up looking different than what you thought it was going to look like, but he's not going to give you a dream that causes division because he doesn't come to steal and kill and destroy. He comes to give life so he's not going to give me a dream of like, we're going to sell everything we have and we are going to open up a shelter in Jackson um, if he doesn't put it on my husband's heart too. If my husband's like, absolutely not, that is not on my heart to do, we're not doing that. Come on. <laughs> or vice versa, right? He puts on his, Right? Do you see what I'm saying? I, it, and then I'll sit my whole life and be like, I want to do something for God, but my stupid husband. 
I had a dream to help the people. But my husband, I'm just being real with you today. Like, we have a way of doing that, don't we? Listen, if God's given me a dream, so maybe I don't open up the shelter, but maybe I just had an idea of what that dream looks like. I need to go back to God and say, okay, you put this in my heart to help people that are indigent. Um, what I thought in my head doesn't look like it's going to work. So what are you saying? <laughs> what does this actually look like? Oh, you want our spare bedroom to be open to people that might have a need. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? One of the greatest gifts of being single, I think, is you don't have anybody else to blame. <laughs> I'm not joking. Right? My husband and I, we weren't two when we got married. We were like 28. But it was long enough, like we'd graduated from you know, high school and college and we were out and doing our jobs. And if you get stuck in life, you can't be like, if only my husband would, like, dude, <laughs> if only my kids didn't tie me down, dude. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's like such a, there's such a gift in that single life because you gotta face stuff head on and be like, I got no one to blame but me. If I wanna make progress in this and I'm not, I gotta go back and say, oh God, what do you wanna do in me? Come on. When I, and I think it helps you in some ways really grow in the Lord faster because the more people you have like that you are committed to, like children that you have to feed tomorrow, and people, the more that you can get really sidetracked in blaming these kind of covenant commitments you have, you can't get out of. How many of you are with me? I know it's like not like a happy thing. I just want to throw it out there because I do think it's important. We don't say that her husband is helping in any way in this deliverance of his child, and there could be a lot of reasons for that. He maybe wasn't even able to be home for weeks and months at a time. We don't know. But she's having to, as far as we can see, kind of go this alone. And can you see if she was home and she was like, I had the baby. He wasn't even here. He's not even helping, right? I'm just saying we can get stuck in those places so easy. And we need to go back to God and say, God, you have plans for me. You've ordered my steps. And you knew, every, you knew all the primary connections I was going to have that are important for me to be committed to and faithful to when you ordered my steps. And you didn't order them in such a way to bring division in my life because you don't still kill and destroy. So help me understand what you're saying. Are you with me? Yeah? Six of you seem really happy about that word and the rest of you don't seem happy about it. Okay, so I'm just going to go on. Verse 7 of chapter 2. The baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? <gasps> That's providential, right? Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother, Jacobed, to take the baby and nurse him. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. <laughs> so not only does Moses go back into the home to be nursed by his mother, but now she's getting paid for it. This woman is... God is good. God is good, right? So the woman took the baby home and nursed him. Later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. And so he gets to grow up all those formative years with his mom. And what's his mom doing? 
identity, identity, this is who you are. Because we know when Moses comes of age, how does he identify? He identifies with the slaves. He identifies with his people, right? And forfeits a lot of the, you know, riches of Pharaoh because he identifies with his people. So all those songs she was singing to him as she's nursing him, all of those ways that she was teaching him about Yahweh, right, about God, as she's nursing him, as she's raising him, in those formative years she knows she won't have long, in the end, he comes back to those things. Now we know, um, he ends up killing someone, as we know, he sees an Egyptian beating a slave to death, and he kills the Egyptian. Because he, it says in his heart, he, he felt the pain of his people. He kills the Egyptian. But you know how old he is when he does that? He's 40. He's 40 when he does that. So there's all these intervening years between, say, seven, maybe as old as 10. He's probably around seven when he went back to Pharaoh's daughter, maybe six. Between six and 40, he's lavishly living in Pharaoh's house, not living like an Egyptian, probably not living super righteous. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You, you just wonder. He's living in the palace. He's, you know, surrounded by pagans. But at 40, he remembers who he is. And he sides with the Hebrew children. There's a proverb that says, if you raise up a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a proverb. So it's not a promise. It's a proverb. Proverbs are things that are generally true, Right? If you'll raise up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. And that's not really written to every parent, right, either. If you think about the proverb, it doesn't say raise up a child in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. It says raise up a child in the way they should go and when they are old, they won't depart from it. So who's this written to? Who's that proverb written to? It's written to the parent that has a child lived in the palace among pagans who hasn't remembered who they are yet. It's written to the parent who has a kid who isn't serving the Lord. That's who the encouragement is for. Listen, you've raised them up in the way they should go. So hold on to this. When they are old, they will not depart from it. Sometimes they've got to be 40 before they remember who they are. But all those songs you sang as you nursed and all the ways you taught them about the Lord are going to come back around. They're not going to be able, it's going to haunt them. <laughs> Raise up a child the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. You think of how much is outside of Jacobed's control. Right? At some point, she had to take him back to the princess. At some point, she had to take him back when he's still young. She done everything she could and you think of all the circumstances now that are completely out of her control. So she's got to hang on. She's got to hang on to, I did everything I could. I invested what I could. I sang into him what I could. <laughs> and now she's got to wait on the Lord. If her control issues had taken over, and she hadn't taken him back to Pharaoh's court, he may not have lived. She had to trust the Lord. That's a hard thing. Kids are a gift from the Lord, but they're not our possessions. Oh, so hard. 
sometimes we look at our situation and think, man, you know, I can see he's special. Maybe she even wondered, is he the deliverer? Because I knew deliverer was coming. Is he the deliverer? Maybe she wondered. But she could look and think all the limitations, like all the reasons why, all the ways the cards are stacked against her family and against her son. There are so many times I think as God is stirring up dreams in our heart and vision for what he wants to do, we think of all the reasons why it can't happen, all the limitations. We think of our own limitations because we know ourselves, right? God, that's, I love that. I believe you can do that, but not through me. God, I believe you are good and those are things you do, but you won't do that for me, right? All these, how many of you ever disqualify yourself? Like even as God is trying to like build your faith, you're disqualifying yourself. How many of you, three of us do that? <laughs> but really, and it sounds humble, like God, I, not, not little old me, right? I mean, it sounds humble, but really it's arrogant, isn't it? Because it's saying, I am the measure of what you can do. I am the measure of what you can do. <laughs> Instead of saying, God, if you want to do that, you're God. I'm with you. My limitations are not greater than what you can do. You can do anything. And maybe you've chosen me because you love to take the weak to confound the wise and strong. <laughs> if you say you're going to do it, I believe you. And I'm on board. And I'm pulling where you're pulling. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, we'll end here. Worship team, come on up if you would. If you'd stand, we're gonna just finish off reading about, in Hebrews chapter 11, the New Testament, what God says about Moses' life. So Jacobed has saved her son, partnered with God and saved her son. And here's what God says about him. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse uh, 23. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses led the, left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were drowned. I don't care how impossible your situation looks, how big the Red Sea in front of you looks, God can part it. How impossible it looks for God to save your child. Man, God can save a child sitting in the Nile River with alligators and <laughs> currents and, right? I don't care what your own personal limitations are, they don't dictate what God can do in your life. So I want to encourage you today, whether you're a mom in the house, whether you're a spiritual mom to many in the house, dads in the house, single people in the house, people who've had moms that are now gone, people who never had a mom, 
people, when they reflect on their home experience, have, it's traumatic. No matter who you are in this room, no matter who you are in this room, if you surrender your life to God, he will order your steps and there is nothing impossible. There is nothing he can't do. And he says that what he will do is greater than we could even ask or think. That's awesome. So I encourage you to worship. Would you respond to God? Maybe there's some like hurts and wounds you need to lay on, lay out before him and just say, God, there, maybe there's something you need to heal here. There's some pain here. There's some hurt here I need healed. Maybe there's some dreams that you feel like are all but crushed. And God's turn those things up and say, maybe come back to me. Maybe the picture what you have, I need to replace with what it really is. But come back to me. Maybe you need healing in your body. I know there's lots of needs in the house. So there's going to be folks here in front that can pray with you and fro- folks in back that can pray with you. Uh, but let's respond to God in worship. Let's respond to God by getting prayer. Let's respond to God by praying for and encouraging one another. But let's take this time and respond to him. Amen. Jesus, the only one who could ever 
ever sing Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you
lift up your voice to him. Just make that declaration in your own heart. Oh, we trust you, Jesus. God, I trust you. your spot with Jesus, if you want to sit in the back, sit in the front, um, stand or dance in the back or dance in the front, um, just feel free to just uh, just spend time with Jesus. You just don't want to take away from these moments and just be on a schedule. This is our schedule, just being with Him, being with Him. Healing, and you just come on up to the front and just ask someone to the side if they would pray for you. If you need freedom from just bondage, whether that's just control or um, just uh, just anger or just whatever your thing might be, just just ask someone to the side if you they'd pray for you. We all have the kingdom without measure. Amen. Amen.
All the 
shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing a shepherd. He's a good father. He's a good shepherd. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. If you just need to rest in that for a second. of the water that's living. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Restore our souls, Jesus. Restore our souls.
still time to get prayer if you need it. I want to encourage us as we um, leave today. Would you, would you find maybe one or two spiritual moms in the house that have invested in you and just encourage them? Sometimes people are um, investing, maybe encouraging or teaching or um, leading Bible studies or what have you. And, you know, you don't always know. Sometimes you feel like, does this matter? Has there ever felt like, does this... Does it matter? And I think when people encourage you and tell you um, how it's impacting them, how it's encouraging them, how it's creating stability and strength in their life, it's just, you know, there's a reason why there's a gift of encouragement. It's supernatural from the Holy Spirit that he gives to his church. People need to be encouraged. We want to add courage to people. So I want to encourage you, would you find some spiritual moms in the house? Before you go, just encourage them for what they've been in your life and what they've done for you. Also, as you're going, if you pray for Mitch and I, we're heading out to visit some shut-ins. Um, it's hard. It's these holiday days where you want to be worshiping and your body won't let you. And so we want to make sure we can bring communion to them and minister to them. But there's a lot of heavy stuff people are dealing with. So would you pray for us as we lay hands on the sick and as we pray for those as we leave this place? who just need a touch from the Lord. <laughs> He's so good. He's so good. I want to encourage you to, before we pray together, to sign up for Justin Allen. And Allen's back there. He's ready for you. And listen, the $5 is really because you want people to hold a place. So if five bucks is an issue, like if you're like, I want my whole family to come, but that's like 50 bucks, or even if you're like five bucks for me, honestly, if you're being honest, it's keeping you from signing up. We don't care about the five bucks. We don't care about the five bucks. It helps us count, right? So if it's a five bucks keep you from doing it, just tell Alan, we're gonna get you signed up. Um, but get signed up. Cause I think not only do we want you here, but I think we wanna spread the seed of what he's gonna plant here throughout Jackson. There's a work that God's doing and it's not just for this church. It's for the city and it's for the surrounding areas. And then it's gonna flow out from here. So we want to invest in all the, in all the um, believers in the city. So bring people along with you. And again, if you don't because you're like, I don't know, that's a lot of money, and just let us know. Let us know because we don't care about the five bucks. Yeah? Would you pray with me?
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. <laughs>